Why don't you stand one more time? We're going to read the scripture together. We're talking about resourcefulness today. And this is something, something I think God has blessed us because of the fact that we're a resourceful church. That, um, that we typically don't make excuses for not having what other people have. We just figure out how to use what he's given us. Amen? So we're going to talk about that today. It's one of our core values, being resourceful. And, um, and we pray that we can continue that. So um, this scripture might not sound like it has anything to do with that. But we're going to figure it out together here. Judges chapter 7, verses 1. We'll start in verse 1. It says, early in the morning, Jerob Baal, you know him better as Gideon. And all his men camped in the spring of Herod, the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their, hand, into their hands or Israel would boast against me. Don't you love it when God says, you got too much. Wow. They would say, my own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 20,000, 22,000 men left in that moment. Could you imagine being confident? Right here, it tells us that Gideon had 32,000 men. And with one statement, how many of y'all are scared? 22,000 men leave after one statement. 10,000 remained. This is my just little take on that. If you're not scared getting ready to go into battle, you're crazy. So Gideon got stuck with 10,000 crazy people. They're like, bring it. It's like Braveheart or something. Like, ah! I don't get like. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. Gideon's probably thinking, you're going to drown them? If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. And there the Lord told them, separate, these, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. And the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. And during the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down against the camp because I'm going to give it to you into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant And listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and uh, Purah, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Could you imagine the sight of that? I've seen a few camels. So many camels, you can't count them. Could you imagine the sight? 
Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. He got all that from a loaf of barley. When Gideon heard the dream and his interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. And when I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp and beginning of the middle of the watch just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands, the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. Father, we thank you today, God. Your word has the infinite ability to change us if we allow it. We pray that we would today, Lord, soften our hearts that we could hear what you have to say to us. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Turn around and tell your neighbor, he's given us enough to get the job done. He's given us enough to get the job done. I believe that God, if God's called you to it, he's given you enough to do it. Amen. And, and that's a difficult thing to experience, but it's true. Uh, in the chapter before this, the Midianites... Um, kind of taken over, the Israelites were scared, and Gideon was found um, threshing wheat at the wine press, which is not typically where you thresh wheat, but he was scared. So the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, um, calls him a mighty warrior, and Gideon's like, uh, are you talking to me? And the angel of the Lord begins to tell Gideon, this is what's going to happen, you're going to deliver uh, Israel out of the head of the Midianites and and Gideon you, you may have heard before Gideon goes through this thing where he's putting a fleece out uh, a wool fleece and he's saying hey if it's really you make it make it wet but the but the ground dry and then make it dry but the ground but make the ground wet but that dry I mean he's just trying everything he can get to get a reason to get out of it right it's like Lord I'm gonna put my laundry out on the on the clothesline and if it's dry in the morning but it's raining I believe it's you. Don't we do that a lot of times with God? We do things like, you know, if, if it's really you, Lord, let the woman at the grocery store tell me that this is the best groceries ever. I don't, you just make up crazy stuff to figure out if it's God or not. Chapter 7, we find after Gideon has accepted the, what God has asked him to do, he's standing there with 32,000 men. That's a that's a pretty good, that sounds like a good group of guys to go fight to me. The more the merrier, right? And God starts to weed them out little by little. 22,000 men, actually that's not little by little, that's like more than half leave instantly. 
If you're scared, go ahead and get out of here. 10,000 left. God says, all right, take them down to the water. We're going to watch how they drink. Anybody been to basic training? Was that one of the things you did? Like we're going to find out if you're capable to fight by whether you can drink right? So he takes them down there and they start, he says, take them down there and let them drink out of the, out of the water. And so they start doing that. And he says, all right, specifically if they start drinking like this, if they pick up the water with their hands and lap it like a dog out of their hands, take those guys, 300 of them. I can imagine Gideon going into this thing with tons of confidence, right? So he goes in and then there's a crazy series of events after that. And, um, we're going to talk about resourcefulness this morning. And, and one of the things that I, I think we kind of pride ourselves on is that we can, we can take a little bit of stuff and make it look like a lot of stuff. And, and that's just, by the way, that's the way I'm wired. Um, I, I've always been, I heard of somebody down front that I don't, they went, mm-hmm. Because I've had interactions with this guy. We're like, we can't buy it. We got to make it. Um, I've just always been that way. I remember when I was leading worship and, and we used to have these big monitor speakers all over the place up here and it really sounded terrible. This is a small building. And I remember walking into a church and the, and the in-ear monitor things at that point in time were $3,000 just to get the system. And then you had to do all this other stuff. And I thought, we, we don't have the capability to do that, but that's no excuse not to try. So, so I rounded up, a, I, I would... I'm the guy that's famous for Googling stuff until Google doesn't have answers anymore. You ever done that? Like Google just says, oh, we're, we're done. No, no, there's no more search results. So I figured out I could do it for 250 bucks. Now, was it as good? No, but we got the job done. I mean, I could have, we could have went out and spent $3,000, but I just thought at the time it wasn't worth it. This has been my um, philosophy for, for worship, and, and I've tried to pass this on. Uh, with what I believe success with our current worship leaders is that if you guys out here don't recognize a $3,000 difference, then it's not worth doing. Amen? Amen. So I couldn't justify spending $3,000 just so I could hear better. So that, that was my philosophy. So we'll figure it out. And we've just continued to do that. Lord, how can we do this cheaper so that the gospel goes forward better? And, um, you know, things like, um, things like this screen back here, that's a pretty nice little screen, isn't it? That's made out of corrugated plastic and paper. You believe that? Uh, we saw one, we saw one like that at a church and I know theirs was not corrugated plastic and paper, but I wasn't going to spend the money to put a big thousands of dollars worth of a screen up here when I thought we've got corrugated plastic and paper laying downstairs. We just make it happen. So that's just been our philosophy here. And I believe God's honored that. Um, and I'm praying that we'd be able to keep that philosophy going forward. But what you have here in, it, with Gideon is that, is that, first of all, I believe him and God had the same motivations. Or, or the same, they wanted the same results, but they had different motivations. And we talked about that a little bit last Last week, I think, you know, it, it, it's important to have the right motivation for something, isn't it? And so you find Gideon in the wine press. He wants the Midianites out, and so does God. Right? God comes down and he says, hey, I, I'm going to deliver you from the Midianites. And, 
Gideon's like, yay, it's me too. I want that too. Cause I'm sick of threshing wheat down at the wine press where it doesn't even, that's not even where I'm supposed to be doing it, but I'm so scared. I can't get enough nerve to go up and do it where I'm supposed to do it. So yeah, that let's, let's join hand in hand. I want you to deliver the, us from the Midianites. That's a great idea. The issue is, is that God wanted to do it for a different reason. God wanted to prove his might to Gideon and Gideon just wanted the Midianites gone. How many times in our lives are we like, God, you ain't got to prove nothing to me. Just get, get this out of here. Right? And God's like, no, 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 no. I want to do this for a different reason than you do. You're tired of the pain. I want to prove my greatness to you. Doesn't that happen a lot in our lives? How many times I'm just sick of the way things are going. I don't want God to prove anything. I just want him to take it. And yet he says, I want to... I want to deliver you from this for a different reason. And he tells Gideon that right up front. He says, listen, I can't do it with all these men because then if you do it with 32,000 men, then it's just going to seem like you did it. I want the Midianites gone as bad as you do, but I can't let you do it and think you did it in your own strength. How many times does God do that with us? We want the same results, but he needs to prove to us that it's his glory that that walked us through it. It's his grace and mercy that walked us through it. It's, it's his power that delivered us, not our own. And so he walks through this weeding process with Gideon. Hey, tell all the people that are scared to go home. Tell all the people that bent over to drink out of the, out of the water, just got on their knees and drank out of it. Tell them to go home. Which actually I think is drinking more like a dog. Right? That was weird. Here's something else that I I realize in my life, that oftentimes when God is taking away, I think it's punishment. Don't we have that? We kind of have that twist on everything, don't we? We we, we were taught that from very early on in life, weren't we? I do that to my kids all the time. Oh, you messed up? I'm taking it. Don't you say that? You're like, no, we, we just let them have it. No, that was the rule in my house all the time. Like, oh, you mess up, I'm taking something you like. You mess up, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna feel the pain of it. So I'm gonna, oh, you messed up, so now you don't have your phone anymore. Oh, you messed up, or, you know, maybe, maybe you can't have friends there. I'm gonna take something you like. This is gonna be punishment. It's gonna hurt real bad. So then, when we become adults, we associate God taking things from us as punishment a lot of times. And, and I can't help but I can't help but think every time I feel like he's pulling something out of my life that it's punishment for something I did. But actually, in this case, it's not even remotely close to that, is it? God's saying, I'm going to take all of this army from you, because not because you've done something wrong, but because I want to prove how, how powerful I am to you and I can't do it with all this stuff around you. I can't do it when you have this many people. If you have this many people going to that battle and you win, it's going to be because you did it. But what I want to prove to you right now is that it's not about you doing it. It's watching how powerful I can be through you. And so oftentimes in our lives, we get to a place where where we feel like he's just ripping it right out of our hands. Doesn't it feel like that? My wife and I walked through this a couple years ago where we were like, God, we thought we were doing the right thing. Let me say something. 
if you can be doing the right thing and still having and still having it being taken from you. Did you hear that? You just heard a testimony about that before offering. You can be following God 100%. Gideon says, fine, I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. I'm going to go down and fight the Midianites. And, I, and here's all the guys I have to do it with. And in the middle of doing the perfect will of God, God says, not that many. Not that much. Not, no, you can't do it with that many people. You can't do it with all of that. You can't do it with, no, 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 no. You, you don't understand. I've got to take this from you to show you how strong I am, right? And so often we translate that as God is upset with me. And so this is our response. God, I don't know know what I did wrong. Had this good job. Had this, man, I had a great job. I was doing exactly what you wanted me to do. I was serving. I was was witnessing people. I, I was being kind. I was generous. And you took that job from me. Now tell me what I did wrong. And the shocking part to us sometimes is he goes, you didn't do anything wrong. And we're like, so what'd you do that for? You see, God's motivation was different than mine. You know, because let's be honest. There is a little bit of pride that wells up in it, right? And I got me a good job. I make a good living. Take care of me and my woman. My kids, right? We got ourselves two nice cars. Too. Yes, we did. Because of that back-breaking labor I do every week, right? God bless me, yeah, but I'm the one who gets up and goes to work every morning. And while it might be under the surface, pride does well up a little bit in us, doesn't it? By the sweat of my brow. I don't even know if anybody says that anymore. Daddy, how do we get her by the sweat of my brow, kid? I want to encourage you, if you're in a moment where God is pulling things away from you, don't automatically think it's because you're doing something wrong. Maybe he's trying to prove his power to you. Maybe he's trying to prove his faithfulness to you. Maybe maybe he's trying to prove that even with less that he can still accomplish all that he's set out to do in your life. Maybe, just maybe, it's for somebody that lives beside you. Maybe it's for the, maybe it's for the 22,000 men that left scared, that, that they said, man, there's no way, no way on this earth that Gideon can make this happen. No way on this earth. But then they see the deliverance of the Lord. So before you run headlong into depression and, oh my goodness, what did I do wrong? And you start doing all this. Just remember that sometimes God subtracts from us to add to us. I know that they didn't teach us that in math class. But sometimes that's the way he works. Sometimes he has to take away in order to add. But here's the thing. God just doesn't take away and then add. He takes away and then multiplies. Oh, man, I'm so glad he does that. God isn't a God that takes away in one moment and then just gives the same stuff back. No, he takes away and then you conquer the whole Midianite army. That's multiplication. 
You didn't just go down there with 300 guys. You went down there and it looked like thousands of men. He multiplies your effort in those seasons, doesn't he? So watch this. This is the beautiful part. Oftentimes when we think we need more, God's taking it away. We oftentimes think the victory is based on having the right stuff instead of knowing how to use the stuff you have. Did you hear that? How many times have we said, Lord, if I had more, if I had more, I'd do more. If I had more, I'd do more. And God's saying, I want to teach you how to use what you have the most efficiently. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I can get really offended when God says that. That's why we all hate budgeting classes. Don't you? I mean, come on, that should have been a big amen. If we announce we're going to have a budgeting class here at the church, everybody's like, that's for somebody else. Ain't nobody telling me I can't go out to eat. Ain't nobody telling me my cable bill is too much. God knows. God knows I need my time. Right? God knows I'm too busy to cook at home. And we start getting all like, ooh, you're going to get in my stuff now. You know, tell me that, that the way I manage my money is not exactly the way you would manage it. Well, you're God. You got all kinds of money. <laughs> you know, you give me this little bit, little bit, and you, you see how much I struggle to make it work. <laughs> so we, we bristle up against that type of conversation where we're like, I don't, I don't know. Like, and sometimes God's taking away so that he can show us how to use what we have more efficiently. Come on, because if you only have one car, you'll figure out how to make do with it, right? If you only have one income, you'll figure out how to make do with it. The Jones family figured that out. Boy, it's nice to have two. (laughs) But you know what? In those seasons, I learned that when he takes away, he's faithful to multiply later. But he wants us to use what he's given us in that season in the right way. So sometimes he subtracts and says, hey, listen, can you be a little more diligent with what I gave you to start with? And he's teaching Gideon this. He says, okay, Gideon, 22,000, first day, boom, gone. All right, now I want you to take everybody down the water. Now we're going to weed them out even more. Even more, Lord, even more. Okay, I think I can give up another 2,000 guys and get this done. No, 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 no. Still way too much. I mean, well, could you imagine the conversation Gideon's having with God at this point in time? Imagine the conversation I'd be having with God. This is stupid. Can I put another fleece out, figure out if you, this is real, or did I eat too much last night? I don't, know, I don't know what the deal is, but now you've got me down to 300 men. 300 men. 300 men against the whole... Now, now go back and remember that there was more camels than you could count. And you want me to go up against this whole army with 300 men. God's like, I'm going to be with you. Don't worry about it. I'm going to be with you. Don't worry about it. You know what's exciting to me is, is having enough history with God that when he subtracts from you, you don't lose confidence. Some of you are going to get there, but there's other people in the room that have enough history with him. You've got enough history over the years. It's been 20 years, 30 years, maybe 10 years. You've got enough history that you can say, hey, I, 
I feel like it's a season where he's, where he's doing a little subtracting from me, taking the excess, because maybe I got a little loosey-goosey with it. Maybe I wasn't intentional. Maybe I wasn't. But, but it just feels like he's subtracting a little bit. And you don't flip out. You just go, okay, God, I'm going to double down. You're still going to deliver me. You're still going to win. You're, you're still going to do what, you've, what, you, what you said you were going to do in my life. If you take me down to 300, we can still get the job done. I love being around people like that. Where their confidence doesn't wane in the middle of the night when it doesn't seem like they have enough. But they wake up the next morning and they say, God's still faithful. God's still faithful. Amen. But just in case. Just in case. He tells Gideon. You're going to attack. But just in case you need a little booster for this. Go down to the Midianite camp and listen to their conversation. Go down there and listen to them. So him and his servant go down to listen and, and they hear this odd story about a big loaf of bread rolling into a tent. I don't know about you, but I would have never, I would have never read defeat in that. I would have been like, dude, we need to stop cooking so much bread. Like we got bread stockpiled. It's going to roll down and crush somebody. But the Midianites in that moment said, this can be none other than God telling us that we're going to get beat. We're going to get defeated. Now let me say this. Your enemy doesn't know what God is up to. Did you hear me? The devil doesn't have the ability to read God's mind. And fortunately, I don't think he has the ability to see all that God is doing in your life. Because if the Midianites knew that he had dwindled Gideon's army down to 300 men, they would have never been afraid. Here's what I believe the enemy's afraid of, is that no matter what you have, you plus God is always stronger than he is. He's not afraid of what you have. He's afraid of you using what you have. That's what he's afraid of. He's not afraid that you're wealthy, and he's not afraid that you're poor. He's afraid that you and God's strength, nothing is impossible. That's what keeps him up at night. And so what we think is we never have enough, and what the enemy sees is us and God always wins. No matter what your current situation is. So there's something really neat about this. You remember when the 22,000 men left, the Bible says that, that they took all the trumpets from them. They took all their supplies and trumpets. They got all their stuff. It's like, man, we're going into battle. We're going to need these trumpets. I, I mean, come on. Can you read that with me? Like, I'm letting you into my mind when I'm reading this. I'm going, I'm going they took the trumpets? I thought at least you got a catapult somewhere. You got something we could hit somebody with. You took all the trump. The Bible lays out that they took the trumpets. So I'm just thinking, man, the guys left over. They're just the musician type. I don't. This is going to be difficult. Uh, we took all the resources and the trumpets. 
How do you like leave the trumpets unless you can beat them into a sword? Leave the trumpets behind. We don't need them. No, but it says they, they took the trumpets. Okay, bring the trumpets. Maybe Gideon was looking around going, hey, what do we got? And the guy runs up to him. We got a lot of trumpets, man. Just letting you know, we got a lot of trumpets and clay pots. We got a lot of clay pots. And I think we could come up with some torches. I'm I'm pretty excited about what we got so far. (laughs) Gideon's like, dear God, if you have ever delivered us, it's going to be you. Okay? No one in the history of battle has ever written this down, but we got trumpets, clay pots, torches. We could hit them with the torches. <laughs> you ever been afraid going into battle with the resources you have? I have. And you know you're walking headlong into it and you're pretty confident you don't have enough to make it. You're, you're not. You're not an idiot. You, you know walking into the thing that you don't have enough to get. I mean, by, the Bible says that a wise builder counts the cost before he goes into it, right? And, and so, I, Lord, I'm doing what you've called me to do. I'm counting the cost, and I can't see how this works out. I got clay pots, torches, and trumpets, and I don't know I don't have enough to get done the job. I, I, there's, there's nothing about what you've currently given me that makes sense to be able to win. And we will talk ourselves right out of victory with those statements, won't we? We'll stay up all night, lose sleep, be terrible at work the next day, because we know deep down in our hearts, I don't have enough to get this done. Lord, you have not given me enough to get this done. And we have that conversation with them all the time, don't we? Come on, you can say amen there. We have that conversation with them all the time. Lord, you called me to defeat the Midianite army, but I got trumpets, bowls, and torches. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to bed confident that night. I, I'm, not, I'm not like standing up. I'm not doing the Mel Gibson thing the next day going, we will win, you know, and holding up the clay pot. <laughs> Sign of our victory. That's what God gave him. That's what God gave him. What I want to say to you this morning, whatever he's called you to, whatever he's asked you to do, he's asked you to do it with what you currently have. Because if not, you'll just wait until you think you have enough. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's never enough. Because I'd have been like, I need about 64,000 men before I go in there because I want this to be, I want this to be a route. I don't want, I don't have enough, Lord. I don't have enough. What's God called you to do? I don't have enough to do that. Lord, you know, you know, I don't have enough to do that. I can't, I can't afford to do what I'm already doing. I, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Every time we have a tithing conversation or a giving conversation, so I, Lord, I don't have enough. We say it like this, Lord, I wish I could do more. I wish I could do more. 
In, in, in my life, it's the same way. Lord, I wish I could do more. Lord, I, I, you know, if I had more, I'd do more. And, and God's saying, I want you to be resourceful with what I've given you. Ooh. I want you to be resourceful with what I've given you. I want you to be resourceful with what I've given you. Because listen, what we fail to realize is God's not calling us to win with what he's given us. He's saying, use what you've given us to enable him to win. I'm going to say that again because I think some of you have already fallen asleep. He didn't say, I want you to use what you have to gain the victory. I want you to use what you have to trust me for the victory. Didn't he say at the beginning, if I let you go in with 32,000 men, you'll take all the credit for it. So I'm going to give you down to 300 men and then you'll have no choice but to give me the credit. So he was telling Gideon from the very beginning, we have the same end goal here, but the way we're going to get it done is totally different. And so don't complain about not having enough. Take what you have, use it in a resourceful way, and let me give you the victory. So end of the day, who are they going to raise their hands to? God. Now watch. Now watch. What's Gideon do? Nowhere in the scripture does it say that God came down to Gideon and said, hey, listen, this is the way I want you to do it. I want you to take these trumpets, these clay pots, we're going to come up with a game plan. It doesn't say that God told him that. It says that after Gideon went down there and heard what the guy said, he came back and he said, all right, get everybody together. We're going to split up into groups. I want you to take your trumpets, clay pots, and torches. I want you to get them ready. We're going to fight. And the guys were like, it feels like we're going to a family reunion. Now get them all together. We're going to fight. But I want you to watch the way I do this. Isn't it easier when people go before us that we can watch? Because I don't know about you, but I'd have been tempted to run right in the middle of the camp and hit somebody with a clay pot. I don't know. You said the fight was on. Let's, I'm going to blow a trumpet in his ear, get him disoriented, hit him, and then set him on fire. <laughs> That'd have been my game plan. Just run down there. Brrr, whack. There's one out of like, I don't know how many down, but we're going, we're fighting. Ah, freedom! You're like, what? <laughs> Guys, deliverance is always different than what I imagine. Thank you, Lord. God's deliverance is always different than what I imagine. Can I say that again? God's deliverance is different than what I imagine. Every single time I've got this mindset of, okay, I'm, this is, I'm going to go and do this. And God says, stop it. Stop fussing over everything. Stop staying up all night worrying about it. So I've given you enough to get the job done. And what the church does is we said, well, if we add more money, we do better. I'm tired of that. I'm t that's one thing I can honestly say that we've rarely ever said here. It was like, well, if we had more money, I'm, I, what I typically say is, let's do an amazing thing what God has given us. Amen? Amen? So, so 
A couple of us on staff, Pastor Sam and I, we'll go out and do things at other churches. We'll install, kind of install some technology in other churches and stuff like that. We've given the, been given the privilege to do that. And so people call us sometimes. I'll say, hey, man, I need to get a good projector. I'm like, you called the wrong dude. Because I'm going to get it refurbished off a one-day sale online. So if you're looking for something fancy, you called the wrong guy. I'm just telling you our philosophy about this. These things are a dime a dozen now. Oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, we're, we're like that too. I'm like, no, you weren't. <laughs> but we just always said, look, God, we're going we're gonna to do better than what's expected with what you've given us. We're not going to make excuses for not going forward. What if Gideon had a sat down in a pile of tears that night and went, I got some trumpets. Some clay pots, some torches, and 300 crazy men that ain't scared of nothing. And we're going to run headlong down in this group of men. We're all going to get killed. That's what we do. We sit down at night and say, God, you've called me to reach my neighbors. But I'm so jacked up myself, I don't know what to do. Lord, you've called me to reach people, but, I, but I'm... I'm, I'm so, I, you haven't given me enough to do anything with it. And we diminish the gift God already gave us. And we sit down, this is going to sound so mean, we sit down and whine about it and then end up doing nothing. And guess what? The Midianites aren't afraid of that. But I'm going to tell you something. Gideon gets those guys together. And he says this, he says, all right, we're going to split you up in groups. I want you to surround this camp. I want you to take that trumpet and that clay pot, shut your mouth, it'll be fine. And that, and that torch, I want you to follow my lead. I want you to follow my lead. They surround the camp. Gideon blows the trumpet, breaks the pot. All these men blow the trumpet, break the pots. And it turns the Midianite camp into chaos. At the end of the day, they win. Oh, and they light the torches. And they never have to touch somebody. somebody. They, They never have to raise a hand, lift a finger. And the deliverance of God was so unbelievable that day that it ended up in this Bible. Thousands and thousands of years later, we're still reading about the trumpet clay pot torch victory. (laughs) And what I want to say to you is that His grace is enough for your season. His mercy is enough for your season. In Paul's life where it felt like God was taking it away, when he said, Lord, I'm so sick, I don't know what to do. I'm so sick, I can't function. That feels like you're ripping my guts out, Lord. I don't know why you're doing this. Lord, I'm praying. I've laid hands on people and they were healed. I've, I've done all kinds. I've, I've cast demons out of people. I've, like you've done miraculous things through me. You've blessed me. Unbelievable. And now it feels like you're ripping my life from me. And the Bible says he prays three times. And what does God say? You've got enough to go. 
My grace will be sufficient for you. He said, don't, don't make excuses about how bad the pain is. He said, I've got enough grace and mercy for you in the midst of the pain to get up and keep going. And Paul said, hey, listen, I realize then that when I am weak, he's the strongest. I, Paul said, I realize when all I've got is a clay pot and a trumpet, I can still reach the world. And yet we'll sit around. Well, Lord, if you do a little more for me. And God's saying, I've given you enough to go. I just need you to stand up and start moving. I've given you enough to go. I've given you enough to go. You need to applaud there because this is the fourth week in a row I've been able to do GG. I was praying all week. I was like, Lord, you gave, me, you gave me the G's all the way up to this point, and now this is resourcefulness, so resourcefulness to go. And then in an unlighted period of time and prayer and fasting to God, he said, you've been given enough to go. And I said, I know that's from you, Lord. That's like the barley thing, float, floating over the hill. <laughs> you've been given enough to go. If he had not already given you enough to go, he wouldn't have asked you to go. If he hadn't already won the victory for you, he wouldn't have asked. If he hadn't already solidified the victory in your life, he wouldn't have asked you to go yet. But he has, so he did. And you've got to believe that if all you've got is a trumpet and a clay pot, that it's still worth getting up and going. It's still worth it. He still delivers you. He can still do it. He promised Gideon, I'll deliver them into your hands. And we've just got to be confident with what he's already given us to do that. Amen? So no more of this walking around like, man, if God would just come through. No, you know what? He gave me enough today to get the job done. Because it seemed impossible, he gets the glory. Because it seemed impossible, because it seemed like there's no way it could ever happen, he gets the glory. He gets the glory. He gets the glory for great things he has done. Amen. Amen. Come on, why don't you stand this morning? Man, I'm going to tell you something. The past three years, like this is, a, this is a personal message to me in the past three years. I, I've lived this type of thing. And one of the things that my wife and I set out to do was no matter, no matter where we saw ourselves economically, no matter where we saw ourselves on the success ladder, I would say, Lord, I'm going to do the best of what you gave me today. I'm going to do the, now I know the whole prayer, you know, pray to increase my territory. I'm praying that at the same time. Come on. I'm praying, Lord, prosper us in the same, but in the moment, I'm saying, this is what you gave me. I'm going into battle with that. This is what you gave me. I'm going into battle with that. 
that you've given me grace and mercy, I'm going to go into battle with that. You've given me what I got right now, I'm going into battle with that. If all it is, a clay pot and a trumpet and a torch, I'm going into battle. I'm going headlong into battle with that. I'm not going to sit around on the sideline because I don't think you've done enough in my life. You've done what you've done already, and I give you honor and glory for it, and that gives me the motivation to go. Amen. You've given me enough to go already. And here's what I want to tell you. If everybody in this church will pick up their clay pot, run towards the enemy, and smash that thing, you say, man, that's my only clay pot. You'll get another one. It's clay. You can make it out of the ground. What you have is the beginning of what God wants to do in your future. It's the vessel through which he'll give you the victory. How about the woman at Zarephath when Elijah goes to her and, she's, and he says, there's a great famine and all this stuff. And, and, and he says, hey, you know, God sent me here. I was chilling by the creek and the creek dried up. So I had to get up and go. And now I'm in front of you. And she says, oh man, that's terrible. I was getting ready to fix the last cake for me and my son. We were just going to go and die. All I got is a trumpet and a clay pot. We're going to die. That's what she told him. And he said, do me a favor. Fix that one for me. (laughs) Yeah, fix that one for me. And because she was willing to go with what she had, God provided for her in the future. Do you know her son ended up dying later on, but because she took the prophet into her house, he raised him from the dead. You have no, if you go with what he's given you now, you have no idea what provision he'll make for you in the future. But I can tell you this much, you won't get it sitting on your seat. You won't get, you won't get it sitting down going, God, I don't have enough to do this. I don't have enough to do this. I don't have enough to do this. I don't know. He said, I gave you a clay pot and a trumpet, man. Gideon worked it out. You figure it out. More than ever before, we need to be resourceful with the things God's gave us. Amen. We need to stand up and say, you've given me enough to go. And now I'm going to figure it out. And I believe he'll honor that. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness in our lives, Lord. Lord, we repent of not feeling like we're blessed this morning. But you have indeed blessed us. And more than that, you promised us victory, Lord. In every battle that we're fighting right now, You said the victory is yours. And Lord, we're making a commitment this morning to go with what you gave us. We're going to go with what you gave us, Lord. It may seem like a little, but Lord, you said if we were faithful over that, then you'd give us much. Lord, you said don't despise. Paul told Timothy, don't despise small beginnings, but just go ahead and get out there and make it happen. And so, Lord, we pray. That in this season of our church, this season of our lives, we would go with what you've given us, Lord. It's enough. And we pray, Lord, that that be the seed for the provision in our lives in the future. We pray, Lord, that at the end of the day, the victory would be yours and it would be evident, Lord. That every time we have more confidence and more confidence and more confidence, Lord, that you will do what you say you do. That we will rush into battle God, with the tools that you've given us, and Lord, we'll give all the glory and honor to you when we win. 
Give us courage this morning, God, that you have indeed blessed us with all we need. Give us courage, Lord, and let the victory be yours. Father, we thank you this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, could you give him honor and glory today?